To express yourself, where teens talk and the world listens. Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be the Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. Freedom is important to us as individuals and helps makes us who we are. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people, a platform to give teens a voice, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. From Cynthia Bryan, creator and producer of Express Yourself and Star Style Productions, we bring this program to the airwaves as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. Before we get into today's show, Be The Star You Are's volunteers and I want to urge you to check out our website at btsya.org. Go to the Events tab to find exciting events that we have coming up, and also visit us at expressyourselfteenradio.com to check out past editions of our show. Today's show is centered around the gift of freedom. And in this first segment, our chapter is actually written by the brilliant Cynthia O'Brien herself from the first book in the Be The Star You Are series, Be The Star You Are, 99 Gifts for Living, Loving, Laughing, and Learning to Make a Difference. All right, without further ado, let's go ahead with The Gift of Freedom by Cynthia O'Brien. The Iron Curtain. It sounded daunting in 1972, but still, I had always longed to visit the USSR. Revered acting directors Stanislavski and Chekhov had been members of the Moscow Art Theater, and their contributions to the method and experimental techniques in acting intrigued me. Then there were the Russian ballet, the Russian circus, and the Russian gymnasts. All had perfected their art forms to the four qualities of artist creation. Ease, form, beauty, and entirety. My opportunity to visit them finally came when I was living in France during the period from 1971 to 1972. A two-month study program was announced that included meeting and working with the artistic community in Latvia, the USSR, and Poland. I signed up immediately. The trip turned out to not be a lesson in freedom of expression, as I soon found out, but a study of manipulation and indoctrination. The United States at the time was involved in the Vietnam War, a full-fledged, undeclared atrocity that was killing young Americans and scarring the minds and emotions of those who survived. Although I loved America, I was against what we were doing in Indochina. Like many people my age at the time, I believed it was unfair to require young people to die for their country before they were even allowed to vote. Many Americans were loudly protesting their government's policies, a luxury that I had soon learned was unavailable behind the Iron Curtain. So our plane landed in Leningrad, and we all went to claim our baggage. I had covered my backpack with small flags and mementos of each nation I had visited on my journey. But when I retrieved my luggage, all the flags of non-communist countries had been cut off. Whether someone had taken them as souvenirs of countries that they had little chance of visiting, or whether an official had cut them off for political reasons, I never knew. 
we were taken to a holding room where we were searched by armed guards. Two of my fellow students had made the mistake of taking a photograph in the airport, and they were quickly arrested and taken away as spies, their cameras and film confiscated. When they were returned to the group two, later, two days later, they were exhausted and bedraggled from intensive interrogation. Our polite but timid tour guide collected our passports for safekeeping. Actually, the authorities feared that we might sell them to local citizens. Then claimed that they were. Then we would claim that they were lost, and we'd try to apply for new ones at an American embassy. We were told that we must convert a specific amount of cash into rubles at the official money changers, and then spend it all. No giving money away, and anyone getting the much more favorable exchange rate from black marketeers would be severely punished. Actually, it hardly mattered. We soon found out that there was nothing to buy with our rubles except propaganda posters, Lenin buttons, those stacking Russian matryoshka dolls, and vodka. In the USSR, where the Russian Revolution had ousted the Tsar in 1917 and installed a communist regime, there were few people left who still remembered a country called Russia. Not that life under the Tsars could be called freedom in any shape or form, but at least art and music and beauty had been encouraged. The only beauty I now witness was pre-1917. The cities are gray, the skies were gray, the clothing was gray, and the sugary tea was gray. Life was dismal, and it was gray. People queued in long lines for everything. Everyone appeared forlorn and beaten down. It seemed that anything pleasurable was forbidden to the common citizen. Gray seemed to be the national color in the USSR, with an occasional welcome flash of a fuchsia babushka. My fantasy of artists working in harmony and with a free spirit were quickly crushed. We went to the museums and the circuses, theater, ballet, and gymnastic competitions, but the happy exchange of artistic ideas was non-existent. The artists could speak to us only in hushed tones when the attention of our tour guides was elsewhere. As they spoke, their eyes rarely met ours as they scanned the area for any clandestine agents. They were eager to know what we knew, what it was like where we came from. What were the popular songs and the films and the plays? How did French perfume smell? I felt a strong sadness and a sense of their being prisoners of time. Yet their instinctive freedom was expressed in their creativity, their internal beauty, and their art forms. One day, as I was walking in the rain, I found a huge, rusty, broken padlock on the ground. I picked it up, and instinctively looking around to see if anyone was looking, hid it in my coat. This, I decided, would be the memento to remind me of my, the value of my own freedom. When we reached Latvia and Poland, the atmosphere changed. These countries had only recently been annexed by the Soviet Union, and some people could remember a time before World War II when life was different. Everything was more colorful then, and people still had spunk in them. Confrontations between citizens and police occurred regularly in the streets, and black market trading was brisk. I had the feeling that these people would die to restore their freedom. Latvians and Poles were openly friendly to us, asking many questions. Remember that in the 1970s, it was forbidden for them to see Western films or magazines. Information crossed the borders only via the black market. I even got offers to buy my passport and my backpack. There was an energy in these countries that indicated a great desire for more personal freedom. I got quite chummy with our tour guide and gave her a pair of my Levi's when I left. To her, they were a priceless gift, 
a symbol of hope for the future. She secretly begged me to write her and to send her a bottle of French perfume. I did as soon as I got to back to France. But just as my flags had been ripped off my backpack, the perfume was stolen from the package. I received several letters from her, all with parts cut out, and the last one read, In my dreams, I am a butterfly. She had achieved freedom, if only in her mind. After two months behind the Iron Curtain, I knew how appropriate the name was. It was impenetrable. Human emotions and ambitions were crushed in the name of an ideal. Life may have been egalitarian, but it was miserable. Merely existent. Citizens performed the jobs that they were assigned at preset wages, and they couldn't move around or leave the country. The dissolution of the old Soviet Union has brought a sort of democracy. Sure, one fraught with crime, corruption, violence, and starvation. And it'll take time for the government and its people to work out a system of equality and freedoms, but at least it's a beginning. There are countries all over the world that hold their citizens hostage, that repress women and children, that don't allow freedom of religion and expression. People are still persecuted on ethnic issues, and many people are denied a basic education. The fabric of civilization is so fragile. When I returned to America, the first thing I did was kiss the ground. Those two months behind the Iron Curtain felt like years, and there were moments when I was not sure when I would make it back home. But I had kept my personal freedom alive in my imagination, and that's the lesson I brought back. Since then, I've become very good friends with several people, now American citizens, who grew up in communist countries. They love their heritage, their faraway families, and their culture. But it was only when they arrived here that they realized the true meaning of freedom. Perhaps no one is ever truly free on every level. No matter what our circumstances, though, we can hold the illusion of independence when we believe that we're free. The ugliest caterpillar can dream of the day when it'll become a butterfly. I appreciate the complexities of the gift of freedom, because America is not perfect, and no country is. But America is a great country because it, it's a work in progress. It's a country constantly struggling to balance rights with responsibilities and to maintain a level of freedom and justice for all. I feel fortunate to have had the opportunity to be born in a land which allowed me the ability to travel the world, allowed me to witness the cultures and lifestyles of other nations, and then had me return to a country that welcomed my expression. Yes, I'm proud to be an American. The rusty padlock stands guard on my desk as my reminder that freedom is never truly free. An exercise to follow this chapter is called Butterflies. Here it goes. Having even a limited sense of autonomy is better than having none at all. Studies of prisoners of war indicate that those who never lost hope under the most brutal conditions did so by focusing on internal freedom. In difficult situations, mental and spiritual freedom may be your only options. Here's an exercise that I give my students to help them visualize a life of release. Imagine a butterfly is landing on your open palm. Admire the beauty and the fine detail of the wings. Feel the way it tickles your hand with its wings. Stand quietly and see this magnificent creature, knowing that not long ago it was trapped in a cocoon, with no freedom whatsoever. Let the butterfly symbolize all your unmet wants, needs, and desires. Mourn for the sadness that you've known, and for the times that you've felt locked up in a world of misunderstanding. Now watch the butterfly fly away, and feel the exhilaration of letting go of your own trepidations. 
release fear, and breathe in freedom. That's a really wonderful chapter by, of course, very own Cynthia Bryan, producer of this show and a founder of Be The Star You Are. I think it's a, it's a really good message. Um, it's, it's especially important in this day and age when a lot of far-right organizations around the world are rising to power. Because freedom is a very powerful thing that has a lot of implications and because of that is often restricted by governments, by, by individuals over other individuals. So it's important that we keep in mind what freedom really means and what it can give to us and especially what it feels like when our freedom is taken away. I think another important thing to realize is that every individual does hold their freedom within them, which is really powerful. Because if you look at the USSR and uh, that period of time when Russia was under communist rule, so under Stalin and his, and his uh, followers and his party, so it was under one party rule, there were a lot of authors during that time period who still maintained a sense of creative and personal freedom, even if they were being persecuted from the outside. So I actually, funnily enough, um, last semester in college, I took a, a literature class, a Russian literature class that focused on works from the 20th century. So it, it basically, the timeline of the course, um, we started in in the early days, pre-revolution, so kind of in the silver age of Russian literature. So this is the, the late stages of the Romanov family and um, kind of gearing up towards revolution. And then we read works from authors who were living through the revolution and passed that into the communist regime and finally at the very end, a sort of breaking away from communist rule and entering into a period of more capitalistic ideals and more personal freedoms. So we took this, this sort of journey uh, through time uh, using literature as a medium, which is really interesting because literature historically has been restricted as a, as a form of personal expression that could potentially be dangerous. And we're lucky here in the United States to have some semblance of free speech. So we're able to broadcast our messages and our beliefs. Um, although, obviously, recently in the news, there has been debate about what that means and whether that truly exists in the United States. Regardless, we do have that constitutional right that's been expressed in our legislature. And that's, you know, at least theoretically and, and on, on a majority level, pretty well enforced. Uh, where, you know, the government and uh, us as individuals, we as citizens, try to make sure that the path to having free speech is a clear one and the right is available to everyone who's living in this country. Whether or not that happens sometimes is debatable and, and there are a lot of different sides to those arguments. But it remains a fact that we have stated in our legislature that free speech is an important right that must be valued and is one of the keys to being an individual and to maintaining our individuality. So, again, <laughs> returning back to the main subject, the USSR obviously placed a lot of restrictions while the country was under communist rules on, on literature, on expressing yourself as an author through works. And the interesting thing is... Uh, pre-revolution and kind of going into the revolution, there was 
this sense of more grounded reality. So we read a lot of poems and we read some larger literary works, short stories and novels. And although these novels had had figurative language and they were very expressive and imaginative, there was still a certain sense of being grounded in reality. So there was, there was a certain background, you know, it was historically grounded. Everything that happened in the novels was realistic, you know, on a very basic level. And after that period, after sort of the pre-revolution, going into the revolution, that era, uh, a lot of fantastical things started coming into play. So at first, the, the Soviet government uh, asked or, or ordered, essentially, it had a big conference with all the major writers and authors in the USSR, um, and they, they wanted to come up with a writing style for the new Soviet Union, for the new communist regime. Because the government and the party recognize that literature is, is one of the key ways to expressing yourself and is one of the key points of influence that it had on its citizens. So they came up this, with this method called Soviet realism, or I think it's, it's socialist realism, pardon me. Um, and it, it was this, this method of writing where everything was supposedly grounded in a very realistic ideal that was very relatable to the common people. But at the same time, the stories and the novels and the works and the poetry, they all had to be grounded in Soviet values and Soviet ideals for the characters that were within them. So if you had a work of fiction, uh, we read a couple of uh, short stories where the main character was very definitive of the ideal Russian male. And you'd have the female protagonist or, or maybe a, a female character on the side, unfortunately, because, you know, women were still, although they had a lot more freedom in the Soviet Union, funnily enough, because they were seen as, as people who could also work and contribute, there were still, you know, second-class citizen ideals attached to women at the time. And so the literature also reflected that. But you'd have these, these, these characters who were Russian ideals, people who, or characters who the Soviet Union and the Communist Party saw as, as stalwart representations of Russian citizens, good Russian citizens. And you had all of these stories coming out of the time period that were grounded in this this idealized realism and and there are some incredible stories but a lot of the the symbolism was more obvious it was uh, sometimes the authors would would you know put out a story because that's what the communist party wanted and uh, you know on a certain level the reason they decided on socialist realism was because there had been a poll, I think in the previous year or something like that. They had been a poll of common citizens asking them what they liked to read because the Soviet government wanted to understand, uh, you know, what, what they wanted to read and give them the literature that they wanted. And socialist realism was based on that. But as the Soviet Union began to take away more freedom, writers began to be more imaginative in their stories and in their novels until by the time the Soviet Union was coming to a collapse, coming to an end, these stories were so fantastical. There's one novel called The Master and Margarita where the devil comes to Moscow. He's a German professor and he comes down. And it's just a crazy 
transition from the external lack of freedom to the internal freedoms. And I think it really ties in well with the chapter that we heard from Cynthia Bryan. And so with that, we're going to be closing this first segment. Uh, you got to hear me talk on about, about socialist realism. And you got to hear a lovely chapter from Cynthia Bryan. So audience, make sure to support more of these amazing segments by donating to the Be The Star You Are 501c3 literacy charity that brings you this program. Also, Be The Star You Are's Operation Wildfire Disaster Relief Fund is going on right now. And Be The Star You Are desperately needs your donations to help us help those in distress by providing books and other resources to people in need. So make sure you help ship books to victims of natural disasters today at bethestarur.org. You can even donate through PayPal Giving Fund and have no additional fees. I'm Brigitte Gia, and you've been listening to The Gift of Freedom on Express Yourself with Be The Star You Are. Make sure to watch BTSYA's fun and informative videos at youtube.com slash be the star you are and pick up our newest anthology, Be the Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, celebrating gifts of positive voices in a changing digital world at cynthiabryan.com slash online dash store. Stick around for more on the gift of freedom. We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Are you a teenager with lots to say but no one to talk to? Let your creativity explode and your voice be heard on the radio program Express Yourself, a show by teens, for teens, and about teens. No topic is off limits as you connect with teens with attitude. Check out Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel and join our global community where teens talk and the world listens. www.btsya.com. You can express yourself. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to The Gift of Freedom. I'm Brigitte Gia, and this is Express Yourself on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. In this segment, we're joined by Dr. Drayvon James, inspirational speaker, radio host, and author of Freedom is Your Birthright. She's the founder of Everyday Peace, a platform for her to help and inspire others to build the life of their dreams. Using her successful pharmacist skills, she brings light into others' lives by sharing her Everyday Peace message. She also hosts her own weekly radio, Every Sh- Everyday Peace, on Unity Radio. 
with that, let's welcome Drayvon onto the show. Hi, Drayvon. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. Really excited to have you here. And so, you know, I'm just going right, <laughs> to, I'm glad to have you on. And, uh, you know, I, I'm excited to have a really, you know, fun show and to learn more about what's going on with inner peace and freedom. And so I wanted to ask right off the bat, you know, how do you define the feeling of having reached inner peace? Oh, gosh. Uh, and let me just tell you the definition of peace. And it may be, we could just talk about that for the whole uh, time. But peace, Sounds good. <laughs> peace, as I use it in my organization, Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James, peace is defined as wholeness, completeness, nothing mm-hmm. missing, nothing broken, totality. And so it's not a destination. It's it's a being. It's almost like it's a noun, really, more than an adjective. Right. It's it's. It is who we are if we choose to accept it, like that uh, slogan from um, whatever, uh, that movie, this is your mission if you choose to accept it, right? So yes. Mission Impossible. <laughs> so this is this is a way of life. This is just like being human. It is part of the journey if we choose to accept it. And of course, we go in and out of it. We evolve into this being, but that's my definition of peace, wholeness. Mm-hmm. So it encompasses, and it's everything. It's not, you know, when I first started on this journey of what I now call peace, I was 17. And oh. my, my brother had given me a book. He's 13 months um, younger than me. He had given me a book as I was leaving to go to college, uh, Norman Vincent Peale, the, po- the Power of Positive Thinking. And I read that book and it just, it revolutionized what I wanted to do with my life. I knew that I wanted to do something to help people. I was going to pharmacy school, but I said, it's something mm-hmm. more than that. I want people to feel empowered. And back then at 17, it's so funny, this definition has evolved because at 17, I really thought peace was the absence of problems. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Peace is like almost, you know, it's, it's a, achieving it is, is a journey upon itself. <laughs> yeah. Staying in, staying in that state of being and realizing that it is not determined by external situations. Mm-hmm. It, it is who we are. So we can walk in a world that looks like chaos, looks like disappointment and still be whole and complete. Exactly. So do you think that, uh, you know, I, I'm a student right now, I'm in college, starting my second year, and, you know, I'm, I'm stressed out all the time, I've got a lot of stuff going on, and, but sometimes I, you know, I get, I get tired enough, <laughs> so to speak, that I really am just still, or maybe I've taken some time to, to meditate and find my presence of mind. And so do you think, do you think that, you know, inner peace can only only be held in those moments or like when when we're stressed out when we've got a lot of stuff going on can we still somehow have that peace with us as we're going through our day yes we have to but what i will say this first the more that we practice being in the stillness whether and i applaud you being in your second year of college and <laughs> having that practice because i was there too i have a, i have a daughter who's in her second year of college too and i encourage <laughs> that practice i know i know it's so hairy but uh, the more we can have these periods of being in the stillness, I don't care if it's just two minutes um, every so many hours, it really helps us to connect quicker so that when we find ourselves in those moments where I, you know, we all have this chaos going on in our external world or mm-hmm. these huge disappointments or even the small traffic jams or being late or having so many papers. I know my daughter was writing papers and stuff already. Oh. Who just started, <laughs> right? Oh, <geez>. Yeah. <laughs> 
and um, all of this. So the more you visit the stillness in in the convenient moments, the more you can visit the stillness in in the midst of being in the situation. It's amazing what the body can do. So you will automatically go to this place of stillness and realize that you're almost the observer of what you're going through. That is Mm -hmm. amazing. That feeling is amazing. When you can really say, oh, my gosh, I have three papers due. I have a final. I have this. I'm late for work. And then you just start watching it. And then it's almost Mm -hmm. a tranquility. But you're still moving. You're still getting your stuff done. But it's in a space of knowing that you are complete. Even in this, you are complete. Mm -hmm. You are whole. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, that's powerful. That's something I need to to really find myself in. I've been, you know, I've been... um, there, there's this student-led program called Momentum at at, <laughs> at my college, and it's it's done with a couple of other colleges in the region. And uh, I, I've been trying to go through this, but but it's a very it's it's a statement of just sit down and meditate. And when I meditate, I start worrying that that maybe my meditation isn't the right way of meditation, or something's going wrong. Like I think something's going wrong, and so I, that's good advice. I need to take a step back. And yeah, and I. T- we could just talk about that for a quick moment because so many mm-hmm. people that I talk to and uh, it's not being in college that I talk to people who've been trying to meditate for years they're in their mm-hmm. 60s and stuff and so that's the ego mind which is always consumed with right or wrong good or bad yes. win, win or lose right so that mind always does that and you know just a simple mantra you are safe there is no wrong way there's only the right way. There you are safe. And after a while, the ego's like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. You know? <laughs> right, all right, all right, fine, fine. Right, right. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I've seen, um, you know, I've been seeing videos online. Uh, they have, uh, it's, it's called ASMR. That's the, <laughs> but it's this, um, on, on YouTube, they have these, these sort of audio repetitions of mantras. I've been just trying to, <laughs> trying to get myself into it. So thank you. Yeah. I, it looks like I need to stick with that, to find these videos where people are repeating, you're safe, or even just, just to start doing that myself. <laughs> and you know, you don't have to make like a, you know, we, it's, we are an obsessive culture. Like we get something and we feel, you know, I, I'm a pharmacist, so health is really close to my mind. I think when we started with the soy, it was a good thing. But then, yeah. you know, we, we soyed everything. Okay, we can't soy everything. So then we had, you know, the soy causing all the estrogen problems and all. Of course, not that soy in itself is bad. It's just that soy is not to be consumed in those huge portions and, right. uh, and take over everything. And we do that, you know, we, we have this, we want it and we want it now. We want to fix it and we want to fix it now. And that's great that we're so all the way in like that. But even with the mantras, just a little bit here and there, being right. gentle with yourself, always remembering to be gentle and kind to yourself. That's the most important thing about this whole peace journey is that we are so hard on ourselves. And then we wonder why other people are so hard on us. We're like, oh my gosh, you know, they can't give me the benefit of the doubt. It's like, no, well, first give yourself the benefit of the doubt. Right. Be kind and gentle to you. Ah, oh, that's good. That's good. Thank you. <laughs> I will, yeah, like I feel like I, your daughter must have it too, you know, just just you get into that, especially the college mindset or even like applying to colleges for high school. You have to you feel like you have to be perfect. Like your application has to be perfect. You as an individual should be this shining star and then you're afraid to acknowledge your faults and you just you don't want to do it anymore, you know. <laughs> and oh, so, and, and, yes, yes, yeah, go ahead. You're so right. Go I know I, I I just want to 
wanted to ask, you know, you're a pharmacist, you're you're an author, you manage this this huge platform, like and and you're a mother too, you know, you have a daughter who's in college. That in itself is stressful. And so how do you like, you know, every day, for example, after you come come home from work or something like that, how do you how do you get the tension off your shoulders? Like do you do you find a quiet place or do you breathe in a certain way? Is there a specific process that you follow? I do. And so we're talking about after work and I generally <laughs> work out. I generally work out after work because I have, I run a large hospital and uh, oh, very, very stressful. So I generally work out after work so I don't bring, so I can let that energy go and, and connect to source and realize this is so funny. I had a conversation with a friend um, yesterday and he mm-hmm. reminded me of this uh, uh, nursery rhyme. Uh, uh, oh my goodness. It's going to come back to me again, again in just a second. But it was a nursery rhyme. <laughs> Life is but a dream. Merrily, merrily, merrily. Roll, roll, roll your boat. Yes. You know okay, so and it brings back to mind sort of what I do. And I hadn't thought about it in those terms in years, but... I just go accept my life as where it is now on a river, on a flow. And so when I'm at work and that high tension is almost like it's in the middle of a storm all of the time, right? And so when I go to the garage and I get in my car, I realize I'm making a transition and I'm pulling into rush hour. And that's another stream of water and it's a flow. And then I come home and change and go to the gym. And I just allow myself to decompress all the way through that experience, trying really really consciously to stay in the now of this not you know and that took some time because there's there's this tendency of the mind at least with my mind to want to retreat to some place that's that I think is more tranquil you know but I realized that this is a flow this is a river and I may be in the middle of the ocean and it may be rocky here but gosh the water is cool and that feels nice and you know and I just allow myself to be right there in that moment and it allows me to decompress I get to the gym and I and I'm all in for just 30 minutes I don't do a a second over 30 minutes (laughs) (laughs) And then then I'm on to the next thing. So just being where I am now and not being um, where I was a few minutes ago or where I may be later. And and by the way, I tell people that's the definition of chaos is trying to exist in more than one place at one time. Right, trying to be everywhere. (laughs) Right. So I I tell my daughter that too. I said, so if you're in this class, be there. Don't worry about what's going to happen with the psych or whatever you know class that you have. Mm-hmm. If you're in this class, be fully present here. I promise you that you will if you will save energy, you'll be more energized. Be fully present here at this class. Or if you decide not to go to class, be, embrace that and be fully present right. where you are. <laughs> Because you know, we need those breaks too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't I know it? <laughs> uh, so, so I know that you know in. In, in a lot of people's minds, freedom is associated with the the thoughts of planning a future. You know, like like uh, after I'm after I'm done with this assignment, I'll be free to do that. Or or in a couple months' time, I'll have a free. You know, I'll have I'll have the freedom to go on vacation for my job, and I'll go somewhere. I'll plan something for that. And so, you know, I you know in in contrast to this, uh, how do you how do you think? finding your now really gives you the freedom to to do what you want and to to live your life it's so funny I also have a 16 year old so when I wrote this book I think he was he was maybe 13 and you know he was intrigued by the title freedom is your birthright it's very intellectual kind of guy and he says to me I want to read this book so when he picks I said sure you can read it and then the first thing he says before he even reads it he goes well first of all I disagree with the with the title (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my goodness. So I said, really? Tell me more about that. Why do you disagree with time? He goes, well, freedom's not my birthright. I'm being bossed around all the time. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, under so, your parents' roof. That's, what, that's Right. <laughs> so it's so funny because I, as he, when he said that, I said, you're absolutely right. And a lot of adults feel the same way that we don't have the, we don't have right now in this moment with the debt and the obligations and the stress, mm-hmm. we're not free. I said, but freedom begins. It's an internal, it's an internal state of mind, state of being and knowing that we're free to view everything, to name everything. And I give this example, even though the book is not a religious book and I don't use this example <laughs> in the book, but I use it when I talk in interviews and things, you know, in the Garden of Eden, when Adam was given the pleasure of naming everything. From your perspective, Adam, what would you call this? From your, you know, so it's the same thing for me, for Drayvon, right? When I'm in the middle of a traffic jam, from your perspective, Drayvon, what would you like to call this? Now, I can call this the worst morning of my life, or I I can look at that traffic and say, isn't it amazing how our system has been able to galvanize a group of people to all obey that red light? I mean, right. you can't get people in your household to do all the same. You know, four people in the house, and you're, you're struggling to get them to move in the same direction. But right. somehow our society has got all these people to see that light turns red. We do this. And, and so I can change my perspective. And that's what freedom is. In any, even in the most chaotic or most uh, disruptive situations, we are free to name that situation, to give that, that situation all of the meaning that it will ever have. We do that. Yeah. Worst day ever or best day ever. Right. It's your choice, you know? <laughs> right. Ah, that's pretty powerful. I don't know. I want to ask, you know, like, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of people think about taking control of their lives. And, and it's interesting that, that naming your situation is all at once going with the flow and taking control of the situation at the same time. And so, right. And, right and, and what would you say to people who, who separate the two? Do you think that there should be some distinction between the two or is it really just? Well, and I love the fact that you've, that you've drawn that connection because when you, when you have the freedom to name it, then you don't have to have the, you don't have to have this insane sense of wanting to control everything because I, you know, I say, okay, so this is, this is traffic and it's not the worst thing in the world because I, 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 I get grateful for the fact that I'm in a car because sometimes the <laughs> right. weather's horrible. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's too right, I like, want to oh. be <laughs> in my car and not waiting on a bus stop or, you know, or what have you. So mm. I find something to be grateful for. And then that allows me to say, you know, I don't need to be in control. I don't need to be in control. And some, you know, and we all get in that space. You know, I told you, I run a huge hospital. Um, well, I don't run, I don't run the hospital. <laughs> Let me not overstate. I run this, this department, my, my section. And, but sometimes I, I can feel like, oh, I gotta have, I gotta control this. I gotta control that. I gotta control this. And then I remind myself that Drayvon, that sun rises every morning. You don't have to put that on your right. list. <laughs> right, you don't have to put that on your, and the moon is going to do what it's going to do, and you don't have to put that on your to-do list. So there is power. The most, if you're a control person, and a lot of us, you know, find ourselves in that position when you got so many things that need to be controlled. Right. Realize that there, the the most controlling thing that you can do if you're into control, is to control your your temptation to put your hands on everything. Is to allow yourself to step back and become the observer. 
Mm-hmm. See, now I have control over my, my tendency to want to control. I'm going to control that instinct and I'm going to step back and observe, become grateful in this moment. Gratitude is one of the highest forms of expression of love for mm-hmm. yourself, for the planet, for mankind. And I'm going to re- exist in this space. And without even saying that you need to trust, trust is implied and things will move well yeah. beyond your wildest vision. Ah, oh, that's powerful. I yeah, when I, I I work in a lab. I'm um I'm actually on the pre medical track. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Well, but, yeah, um, yeah. I, I was a right. pre, I was pre med too, so I can I can uh, yes. <laughs> There's so much going on. But when I'm in the lab, you know, I, I always have this idea of, of having to having to second guess everything that I do because because everything has so many steps you know so if you if you get one part of the protocol wrong maybe the rest of your experiment is going to be ridiculously skewed and so at every step I'm second guessing myself and I I had this one one time I was growing cells and I I counted the right number of cells but then I thought to myself no 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 maybe it's not right it doesn't look right it can't be right and I just yeah. I didn't know how to trust myself. And but so, was, oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you know, I, I just wanted to ask, you know, when you're when you're speaking with someone who is really having trouble letting go, you know, is is really holding on to that need for control and and that inability to to really trust themselves and what they're doing. How do you how do you speak to them in a way that will help them release that? Because sometimes you know it's like a gut feeling that people are are trying to boot out but can't. How do you how do you help them through that? Refocusing a lot of times, and what you just said about the lab is so <laughs> that's such a wonderful example of wanting to control because control comes from a place usually of fear, right? That's mm-hmm. where we are. We can call it a number of things, but it's a, we're being we're afraid, and that's ego, because ego believes that somebody has to win and somebody has to lose, mm-hmm. right? It's not, and I've. I do all these lectures on ego, but ego is has the intellectual capacity of a two year old. So it yeah. senses it senses that it's in danger. I, I'll stick with the lab thing because I know what that's like. To get right. in a lab. <laughs> you know, and it, it think that you miss one small thing, it's gonna throw your whole experiment or your study off. So, but um, so the ego says, you know, if I I fear that one. Maybe I'm not good enough, and maybe I don't measure up. Maybe I'll be judged too harshly. Maybe this grade is the determining factor for the rest of my life. And all these things are real when you, and, and they're real forever, but they were so real when I was in my 20s. I just felt like this is the deciding moment for the rest of my mm-hmm. life. Breathe, it is not. <laughs> right? So, but, there's, a, there's a lot to go. <laughs> right. And, and, and we so enforce that. We parents do it, you know, oh, get the grades, get the grades. And we do that because we really, want you you know we want you to be your best self we don't realize that mm-hmm. part of what we're doing is establishing a, a nice firm foundation of fear yeah. which was not what we intended to do is that what your professors intended <laughs> to do so if there was a way to impart upon you that we really want you to take this seriously because you're going to be this great doctor and li- lives are going to depend on you <sighs> not really they're going to depend on you trusting the universe and trusting the process but mm-hmm. no one says all that part because they really want you to take your studies seriously and so we get that part but here is the part where you can sort of let go a little bit and say that in this moment right now in this moment right now if I let go I wonder what would happen yes it refocuses the mind and your mind says well actually nothing Nothing would happen in this moment. I'm not talking about five minutes from now. In this moment right now, if I just let go of control, 
and accepted the fact that I am safe, that the earth that I stand on is loving enough to support me. It's not going to cave in right where I am. It's loving enough to support me that without my being in control, the sun is going to shine. These things, stars are going to stay in place. These Mm -hmm. really, really big things are happening. Could I just accept that in this moment, I am safe. And if something looks like a mistake, that maybe, may, just maybe, that thing has come to serve me in some greater way. Because here's exactly. what I didn't know when I was in lab, and I was a TA in lab and all that stuff. Right. Here's, what, here's what I didn't accept back then, is that if this experiment does go awry, Maybe I'm Einstein. Maybe I just discovered, or Alexander Graham Bell or some. maybe I just discovered another way not to do something, but I can document it anyway for prosperity's sake and for people to learn. And hey, look, mm-hmm. I actually did that. I remember being in my first year of uh, pharmacy school and someone had set something on fire with the bus and burn oh, situation. Right? <laughs> and forever, I can't remember his name, but I can see his face. He was, for me, always the person who had, taught me how not to do that, how not to work with that chemical that way. But I never saw him, oh, he's an idiot or he's that. I I just learned from that. And what if he had said, you know, oh, gosh, I can't do this. I quit. Look, you know. Right, he he wouldn't be able to do that. Right. Uh, And he served as an example for me. It helped me. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, thank you so much, Drayvon, for all of that. That's really powerful, especially as I'm freaking out in the lab. And, you know, for, for speaking with us about freedom and inner peace, this has been wonderful. I've, I've really, I'm going to take your advice to heart. Unfortunately, that is all the time that we have for this segment. But audience, make sure you visit drdravonjames.com to learn more about Drayvon's work and find your own inner peace. Because as you've heard from this segment, she has a lot to offer. (laughs) So pick up our copy of our newest anthology, Be the Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, Celebrating Gifts of Positive Voices in a Changing Digital World, which you can find on cynthiabryan.com, Amazon, and other book retailers. Visit BeTheStarYouAre.org for more information about Express Yourself and BTSYA. I'm Brigitte Gia. Stay right here with us as we continue our conversation on the gift of freedom. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Are you a teenager with lots to say, but no one to talk to? Let your creativity explode and your voice be heard on the radio program Express Yourself, a show by teens, for teens, and about teens. No topic is off limits as you connect with teens with attitude. Check out Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel. And join our global community where teens talk and the world listens. www.btsya.com You can express yourself. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. 
You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thank you for staying with us here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. I'm Brigitte Gia, and I'm here with our very own reporter and longtime host, Joven Hundle. He's got a brand new freedom-themed segment of World Watch. Take it away, Joven. Hey, all. Glad to be back on Express Yourself this week, um, bringing World Watch back for this freedom-themed show. Um, You know, freedom is one of those concepts that often gets referenced but is never really expanded upon other than just kind of being name-checked. Whether it's on the national level where freedom is name-dropped and, you know, for example, national anthem. (laughs) Or invoked in speeches by politicians or indexed Mm -hmm. by various publications. Or on more of a self-actualization level where we try and exercise our freedoms in whatever way speak to us most. Freedom is one of the most significant reoccurring constructs in our lives. And for this World Watch segment, I wanted to talk about freedom in one of its more personal contexts, uh, the important role it figures in parenting. Now, of course, as a teen myself, I'm obviously not a parenting expert. But parenting is one of those subjects that demands input from everyone, regardless of whether someone's a parent, grandparent, child, uh, regardless of you know, whether they've studied the concept through an academic lens or whether they've you know, read parenting books or anything like that. Everyone should be contributing to the global discussion and study of parenting. And a key parenting topic that goes hand-in-hand with overall parenting is discussing freedom. Now, this can mean a lot of different things. There's, of course, uh, the freedom to have your child explore their passions. Now, you know, there's always been that um, advertising campaign for decades now has always been about, you know, playing classical music for babies because that'll right. make it so that, you know, I, I don't even know, higher IQ or that they'll be smarter <laughs> like that. Um, they can expand to something like encouraging reading from a young age or what playing specific sports or just kind of playing outside in general. Um, and then there's obviously toys that have been scientifically proven to have some sort of a... Um, You know, something that can spark curiosity, whether it's building Legos or completing puzzles or any of those, you know, sort of like brain games or things like that. Mm -hmm. So freedom can definitely be brought up in that sort of context when it comes to parenting um, in that, you know, not necessarily pushing various things on your child, but allowing them to explore their passions and, you know, hopefully develop new ones. And then it also expands to something, um, of course, it's just personal freedom and that how we'd phrase it is it's probably just how much freedom we're giving our kids, whether we give kids more and more freedom as they get older, how we balance that with concerns for safety, um, you know, whether it's letting them walk to school or having to drop them off, depending on the kinds of neighborhoods you live in, or whether um, you let them, from a social standpoint, you know, do things that are kind of outside of your family area and that... Um, they have the freedom to decide that themselves and everything, you know, that goes along with mm-hmm. that. So then there's a lot of um, different discussion topics there and how as they get older, they're given more and more freedom and then how that freedom changes them from, you know, the ways they acted in those same sorts of situations as a child. And then it also goes hand in hand with something like privacy, whether it's um, giving your child the freedom to kind of do things without necessarily always needing to go through the parent first. 
whether it's, you know, just as simple as, you know, looking through your child's phone or um, anything like that. Privacy is definitely an often unexplored topic that I think should be kind of delved into more. And that, of course, gets uh, in line with a lot of different other concerns we're seeing in something like Silicon Valley technology, where Mm -hmm. uh, governments are kind of cracking down now on the sorts of privacy agreements and things that social media companies and other tech companies do with your data. I think also something that should be a part of that discussion is how then it relates to um, parenting. Mm -hmm. Um, Additionally, then there's something like college. And this is obviously near and dear to me as I'm going (laughs) off to college in a month and Rajiv's just finished her first year. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so the amount of kind of freedom that you give to your child growing up and then how much they have in the years leading up to going off to college is definitely going to affect how they act when they're within college, whether they're used to having all the freedom that they suddenly do have, whether there's you know, a bit of a learning curve with that initial adjustment in college. Um, yeah, freedom's definitely a big, big topic for something like that. And then the other last thing I wanted to talk about as it relates to freedom and parenting is just sort of trust, I guess. Because depending on how much, you know, freedoms that you give your child, that can breed resentment sometimes if it's not, you know, going the way that the child thinks it should or going the way right. that it should. So you can kind of read that resentment. And that has to do then with the trust that each child, that the child has with the parent and vice versa. So, yeah, I just thought that would be an interesting um, kind of set of topics to talk about for this freedom episode of World Watch. And, yeah, I hope you all found it interesting. Absolutely. I, I know I certainly did. I think, um, I, funnily enough, my parents' um, guardianship style, I suppose, they, they start, I was an only child for, for six years, seven years before my sister was born. So I was coddled. <laughs> I had a lot of my parents' attention. And uh-huh. with that came a lot, of, a lot of parenting from them that was in a certain direction, it was very structured, you know, I was, I was reading these books, and I was, I was doing my multiplication tables, that sort of thing, but uh, as the years went on, and my sister was born, and she started growing up, my parents, you know, had to focus a lot of their attention on her, because she was starting her life, essentially, she's starting these early stages, and so as a result, I got a lot of freedom that when I was a kid, I didn't really want, you know, I wanted, I wanted some sort of guidance. I wanted, I wanted my activities put together for me, but I I learned to throw everything together by myself and become pretty self-sufficient. And actually looking back on it now and, and having, you know, just started uh, second year of college, (laughs) getting everything together on my own, I realized that that has been a valuable lesson to learn is is self-sufficiency and and pulling myself together when you know there's no one around me that that I can reach out to or maybe everybody's busy or I just need to figure something out on my own and so it's interesting because as a kid you might have different ideas about freedom and what it means for you uh, than when you grow older and look back on your life as a sort of (laughs) retrospective so, Jovan, I wanted to ask, you know, you, you went through the college application process, and you, you now know how, how tough that is. But, you know, <laughs> do you, you know, like, based on, based on how much freedom you had as a kid versus how much freedom you had in this college application process and, you know, how much, how much you're expecting to have as a college student, you know, how do you compare all of those? How do you compare the different freedoms you've had in each separate stage of your life? 
Oh, man. Yeah, that's such an interesting question. And I especially like the perspective you brought up because as um, the youngest child, you know, I didn't even thought about any of that. But that was really interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Because it's just, I think the inherent value in something like college apps is just that it gives us such a great opportunity to reflect on ourselves and the mm-hmm. past, you know, 17, 18 years of our lives. Right. <laughs> uh, obviously, there's definitely some downsides to that process as well. But um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think that um, having those sorts, having like various freedoms as a kid and not having other freedoms as a kid, it gives you a much different perspective when you're doing something like that. Like how you said when you're older, when you're reflecting back on your life. Um, mm-hmm. Just because when you get asked kind of the point blank questions you get asked in college apps or whether it's job interviews, when you're talking about your strengths, your weaknesses, your life story, then that's framed in a way that is just kind of in, intrinsically linked to, um, I guess, whether your parents have that, you know, sort of permissive, authoritarian, or authoritative parenting mm-hmm. style, as I just remember those from my psychology class. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a really interesting kind of topic to think about. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I your segment gave me, <laughs> gave me the topic <laughs> to think on, and I'm glad to have your input. Um, and... Yeah, I think it's been it's been great to listen to this World Watch, Joven. You know, you're always coming through with these great, solid segments that make us think, um, and especially for the gift of freedom too. Something that's so prevalent has really, you know, it really makes me kind of sit down and take a step back and look at where I've gone and where I'm going. And well, you know, with that, we're gonna go ahead and close up the show as unfortunately we are out of time. But audience, as always, we're giving our thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Ryan, Be the Star You Are, and our Voice America Empowerment Crew, especially our voice engineer, Josh. He's amazing. (laughs) Thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world. And thank you to you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. I'm Brigitte Gia, and you've been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. For information on our creative community, charity efforts, and outreach programs, go to our main site at bethestarur.org. Relish your freedoms and utilize them to speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines if you would let yourself